This is episode 167 of the Focused Mindset Podcast. Today, I'd like you to listen in on a recent parent training that I did about stress and anxiety. I was already going to put out this replay for those that were there live or those that missed it in my community, but we're all dealing with this subject. So why not put it out right here? I hope you enjoy this live replay. Welcome to the Focused Mindset Podcast. This is the one and only podcast where you can figure out how to sort out your life using the solution-focused approach. You may have heard about it in counseling, but guess what? You can have a mindset that's full of solutions rather than filled up with all of the problems that try and overwhelm us. I'm Cher Kretz. I am a solution-focused life coach and I'm a school counselor. Here, we discuss how you can be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. Jump over to my website, thefocusedmindset.com to learn more about our products and services. Think about a time, our earliest memory of when we felt a sense of worry. Like whatever pops in your mind, the, the earliest time that you can remember being worried or anxious. And when that memory pops in your mind, no matter how what age you were, can you remember how the people around you reacted to that worry? Can you remember how you reacted to that worry within you? Then is there an adult that stands out in your mind that was helpful? Was there an adult that stood out in your mind that helped you get to the other side of it? The reason why all of you guys had something pop in your mind is because we all have worry. So at some time, we're going to have worry about whatever is most important to us at that moment. Our kids are exactly the same way. Sometimes we think that um, we're in an adult body, so it's different. But like I said, is it's really great for us to step back and go, wow, they're dealing with a lot of the same worries except for in their world that I deal with in mine. And sometimes we think, oh, that's why they react like that. Hmm, I, I may have reacted a little bit like that too. Or you think, this kid's nothing like me. I, I, I react totally different than this child does to stress and anxiety. It doesn't matter which one it is. It's important for us to take that moment to realize that we've all been there. Really, we just want to help our, our kids do the best they can. But what are kids today worrying about most? So article from 2022, feeling embarrassed, being smaller or larger than the other kids, unexpected changes, not getting good grades or completing homework, and becoming sick and throwing up. Those are the top worries that they found that our kids have today. The American Psycholo uh, Psychological Association in the most recent study at the end of 2022 found that 20.5% of our youth worldwide are struggling from anxiety. We want to understand the difference between worry and anxiety, but we can see a lot of our kids are going through that and they are dealing with that. So what is the difference between worry and anxiety? All right. Worry tends to be experienced in our head. If you're feeling worried, you're, you're probably thinking through it. You're, it's something that's in your head that you're working out. Anxiety, on the other hand, happens in a person's body, the way they're feeling. 
Worry is verbally focused. That's why sometimes people are going to talk it out or vent when they're worried. Anxiety includes verbal <laughs> thoughts and, and like mental imagery. So it happens as we're trying to fall asleep and we can feel anxious or kids, kids that are feeling anxious, I can tell in their eyes and their body, there's a tense, there's an actual physical reaction because once anxiety is, uh, is in the question, <laughs> it's in our thoughts and in our images in our head. Worry can lead to us thinking about solutions and strategies about any given situation. Um, sometimes we don't think about that. We think, oh, worry is just useless. But worry used properly and guided in the right direction can, because it is in the head, it can lead us towards a solution. Anxiety is more like a hamster wheel, and it spins round and round and round. It doesn't lead to solutions. It just leads to building and running faster on that wheel. So when we really understand the difference between these two, that alone kind of empowers us because we can be curious as parents rather than reactive. I honestly feel as though one of the greatest skills that I ever learned is to be more curious and less reactive. Even though we need to be firm, even though we need to discipline our kids and we need to be the one that's, you're raising them, hello, you're going to go through times where it's not a pleasant situation and you're the parent. But still you can be in a place of curiosity rather than a place of I'm reacting, I'm reacting, I'm reacting. Because when you react, you take out all of your ability to even figure out what am I looking at right here? Am I looking at somebody who's worried about a test? Or am I looking at somebody who's anxious about even an unrealistic fear that's creeped in their mind because of a nightmare or of a past memory or whatever it might be. And when you realize the difference, your reaction can match what you're actually dealing with. Rather than us being like, oh, they're, you know, for lack of better words, being bad again. Or, you know, like, <laughs> now then we need to get to school and look at this. You know, these are the normal things that we think about. If we're reaching for us to be able to fine tune our skills, that's one way to do it. We're curious. What are we looking at when our child is really stressed out? And then we choose how we're going to react. And that's the tough part too, because much of our reaction when we do finally react comes from something that was uh, how we were raised, something about what a, a vision that we feel is right, or our perception of how things should go, rather than thinking about how it actually is. And so all of a sudden we realize the key is how we react. It changes everything. Use it as a science experiment. Say, uh, next time, because you know they're going to have this problem again. Kids don't just have a problem once. <laughs> that is not what's going to happen. So the next time they have this problem, I'm going to try reacting a different type of way. And then I'm going to evaluate that like a science experiment. Did that work? Did that not work? What do I need to fine tune? What, do I, what did I do right? So you, you have this whole situation where you're like, how I choose to react makes a huge difference in how I'm raising my child and how they're gonna deal with stuff when they get older. Because I was a high school counselor for a long time and the kids can't help but take on how they deal with worry and anxiety the same way their parents do. They just can't help it. And then they can learn that they want to learn a different way. They say, I know I'm supposed to stand here and be quiet, but 
my mom or dad flips out and starts yelling and cussing. So which one am I going to listen to? The subconscious listens to what they see and what they've noticed around them. And then it can go to the other part. So that's why even though it's not meant for us to be heavy, we're like, oh, it really does matter that I do take the time to think about my reaction because I'm helping my child now, but I'm also helping them later when they have to deal with some really serious things because they're going to, everyone does, right? And then how we react also is determined on whether they're gonna come to you when they're upset. And that's a really harsh reality because kids that learn that they're going to be shamed or harmed or upset when they're trying to figure out their life, you'll be the last person they go to when they're 14, 13, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, possibly, possibly not. But let's say, you know, they could, they could say, ooh, man, I'm gonna talk to my friend before I go to my dad or mom because I know what they're gonna do and I don't want that. So we wanna balance our firm hand with our ability to say, okay, take discipline off the table, let's talk. Let's figure out how we're gonna react. If you notice that they are dealing with um, anxiety, the goal is to first self-regulate because you can't tell a child to act better when they're in anxiety because why? We just said that they're on that spiral. What I do is I've, I found it really helpful to do a symptom check. So the child, what I call a symptom check, the child gets out of their, their space of anxiety and they begin to be aware of their body. So I act like a doctor, like, well, how does your ears feel? Well, how does your nose feel? Can you breathe? Well, if you can't breathe, put your hand on your heart. How, how fast is it beating? Let's time it. Almost like if an ambulance comes and is like, do you, can, how many fingers do I have up? It helps to bring them out of an anxious place to be aware. It's just a different awareness. So I do a symptom check. What is, what's going on in your body? Then I know that the child needs oxygen to their brain, just like we all do. If we've been triggered, we need oxygen to go to that brain or we're never going to get anywhere. We're just going to be breathing all, and then we can't think. So I do some type of breathing activity. I hold my, my, even my high schoolers' hands and say, just breathe the same that I'm breathing. Just breathe like I am. And she'll, she's in high school, so she's like, you know, mom. But then it helps her at the end of it all. Or we can teach them beforehand when we know that they're stressing with this, things like box breathing, where you go in, hold it, out, hold it, in, hold it, out, something to regulate the breathing. Just saying count to 10 or breathe, probably not gonna work. So it's a really good idea for us to have some tools to regulate their body when they're in anxiety. The other thing is to move to different location. If a child is in such a state, this might not even be stress or anxiety, it might be any type of really big feeling. If you can get them to actually move to a different location, then their mind can snap out of the place that they were in and start fresh. It might be literally across the room, you know, but if they stay in that place, then they're just going to be like, you know, uh. and so it's funny because many times we'll be like, stand there in the corner and don't move, you know, these old school type things. And that's actually exactly not what anxiety helps anxiety. It's actually like, why don't we walk around the block? You know, why don't we walk? We need to move to get this energy to change to shift, all right? So we can get to a place of talking. So we can even get there because worry and other feelings such as that can be moved towards solution talk. So the goal of that then is to listen. That is important. 
Listening is always important. Even when they're wrong, they need to feel heard. Validate, and why I mean validate is not to say they're right, but to restate what they said. I heard you say that you're frustrated because you don't want to go to school. You're not saying that they are or are not going to still go to school, but you validated that they, you heard what they said, and that's a form of, of positive validation. Rather than one side of the spectrum, which would be, oh my goodness, you don't want to go to school, what's wrong, lay in bed, lay in bed. No, you just acknowledge, that they, and they feel acknowledged by that. Or the opposite, where it's like, get your butt out of bed, we're going to school now. Either one of those are uh, two extremes. But when we validate there, it, it helps, all right? It helps a lot. And then we problem solve with the goal, if possible, and I realize it's not always possible, that they come up with the solution. And what I'm saying is not to put the ball in their court, but to say, how do you think we're going to get to school? You've been to school several other times, and you know we're going to get there. How are we going to get there? You've got to eat breakfast. Are you going to eat breakfast today? Uh, you're probably going to be hungry if you don't. You know, so it's interesting if we reframe how we're, we're saying the same thing, but we're saying, this is your job. This is not my job. I'm not going to pick you up and drag you, although sometimes <laughs> it gets there. But, you know, like if they're, they're really, really going through something and it's more worry-based, not anxiety, then, we are, then we're talking with them. Let's make a plan. How is this going to happen? Let's make it happen. Then if they just say one thing that's an exception to any negativity that's going on, then you kind of hone in on that one thing and say, oh, so you're hungry. All right, let's get some breakfast. Let's move. Because they may have said, well, I'm hungry. All right, well, let's do that. You know, and then you, you act on a plan they made because then they have buy-in. They're a lot more likely to kind of be like, oh, crap, I kind of have to do that now. And then they're like, all right, I can snap out of this. All right, I can let go of it. And then the next thing is to empower them, and that as is always through action. You, you moved one step forward. I know you can do it again. You got this, and I know you can do this. I've seen you do it before. You can do it again. So none of this has to be where you're giving. You know, people say, oh, well, you're just giving it to them. No, it's how you approach it allows them to either come out of it and get to the other side or take much, much longer and have many more times of worry. That's some ideas. I'm not going to have time to go into all of this part. But like I said, if you scan the code, I'll have it at the end. You're going to have all of this information. You can look at it as long as you want. But school and home balance, when school responsibilities cause us stress, empower rather than fix. Notice what's actually happening and, and be willing to listen. Restate what they're doing. You feel overwhelmed by the amount of work you have at school. You're restating it. It's not a right or wrong. It's just validating through that. Do your best and then let go of the rest. That's really important for you guys as parents, and that's why I put it there. Once you do your best, whatever that is for the day, please let go of it because they sense your anxiety, and not every day is going to go great, and not every circumstance is going to go great, and not every assignment is going to get done. Oh, <gasps> You know, not everything because sometimes you have to make a judgment call. You're like, my kid's been out all day with baseball, has been, is, is dead tired, and I know my child cannot write a five-page report right now. If you make that decision as an adult in your family based on your values, and that was your best that day, then let go of the rest. It's going to be okay. And you explain that to them. You say, this is the decision we're making today. It might not be tomorrow, but today we need to make this decision. Or the opposite. You know what? It's going to be a long night. I'm going to get them a, a snack, and we're going to sit down and plug away at this homework and it's not going to be easy. The belief in their ability to succeed 
holy moly. I wish I had more time to talk about these. This is so important. Tons of times. I can't even count. It happens so frequently I can't count. When I say something along the lines of, oh, well, what does your parent think of you? Oh, they don't think I'm going to make it. They know I'm going to fail. Oh, they think they, they, they're just going to yell at me. They, they know I'm going to fail. They have this perception that parents, because we have to train them, that we think they're going to fail. That they have this correlation that actually doesn't exist in any of you guys' mind. When you're training them the way that they should go, you're doing it because you do believe in them, because you know they can do better. But they think, oh, I'm a screw-up. My mom knows I'm a screw-up. I'll always be a screw-up. And that thought process is so hard for a child to come out of. And then they admit it to me because they know it's confidential. And I'm like, it's a common mistake. It's no judgment. It's common. So what we can do is we can always let them know you believe in them even if you just went through a really hard time with them, you circle back. I believe in you. I will always believe in you. Even in your lowest time, you have the ability to take at least one step forward. If you take one step forward, failure leads to success. Look up some stuff on the internet that's, you know, words of affirmations, but speak it into them so they know that no matter how low the low times get, that you believe in their success. And then we follow up. That's something that we sometimes miss because we're like, we don't want to deal with that. It's history. They're happy now. I'm happy now. Uh-uh. But it's important that us as parents follow up with a negative situation of worry and anxiety and say, wow, that was a rough one. What, what helped you? What was the thing that got you out of that the most? What can we do next time? What do you think is most helpful? Even being humble enough to say, what can I do to help you in that situation? Because that's rough for me to see, you know, when you really get that worried. So having those conversations after the fact, they're no longer triggered, they're no longer upset, and then they're able to think through it and go, yeah, or maybe they won't, but they'll appreciate that you did that because they'll know that you, you care that they went through that. So follow-up is super duper important so you can have a better outcome. How do you wish that people close to you helped you through your worries and your anxious moments when you were young? That's something that you can ponder. How do I wish, based on everything that I heard here, how do I wish? That person that popped in your mind where you're like, yeah, they dealt with it all, all jacked me up bad, you know? How do you wish that they would have been able to handle it if they had the tools to do so? And then we need to move beyond that because your child is not you. We are all our own humans. So then we say, with my, own, my child's unique disposition, their unique personality, what do I need, what do I think I need to do to help them get through anxiety? What do I think just from me knowing them as a parent? If you don't know, think about the questions you might ask your child to find out because they know. They might tell you, I don't know, but they do know. So when you, when you do ask that question and you say, how can I be most helpful when you're stressed and anxious? They say, I don't know. The, the rule of thumb is to ask what else five times. <laughs> well, what else is in your mind? Or uh, sometimes I say, well, if you did know, what would you know? And they're like, I don't know. Well, if you did know, what did you know? What, how would I be more helpful? Giving them five opportunities to think because they need time to think about that answer. And then they might say a small answer. And what works great is if a parent goes, oh, thank you. Let me put that in my notes in your phone because they're going to be like, oh, they put it in their notes. That's, they care. <laughs> they, they really love that. So there's a little tip because if you ask, what can I do to be most helpful? 
and then you have that kind of conversation, there's connection. You guys have connected now. You are not, and it's really tough to separate a strong connection. And you don't just have a strong connection because you happen to be their parent. Uh, that's one type of connection. The rest of the type connection is built by questions like that, where they're like, oh, okay, we had that moment. And then that moment carries you through these anxious and worried moments, all right? So connection is truly the key, and that's also from research. The number one thing in three articles that I read that says helps people get over anxiety and fear is kids that are worried, the best source of support will come from their closest attachment. It's your job to be that closest attachment, right? Even when it's, even when it's tough, that's what we do. Before you go, don't forget to check the show notes where I'm going to leave the links to my social media and the different places you can find me. And I want to invite you to be a part of my email community. It's absolutely free. And this year I'm doing so much writing and so much reflecting, and I want to send things directly to you. I send the special notes to my email community and you can email me right back. You have a direct line to ask me questions without any barriers of a website or anything. Check the show notes for that link or go to thefocusedmindset.com. And if you click on getting the journal prompts, you also automatically are able to be a part of my community. And if you're interested in supporting this program, there's three ways to do it. One, make sure you're following this program so it comes up as one of your favorites. Two, share it either on your social media or with someone you love straight to their email. And the third is to leave a review. And I love reading those. By supporting this program, we're helping people be solution-focused. See you next week.